Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today, one of my absolute favorite episodes, another one of those that took eight months to record. Yes, eight months. That's because we're doing some time traveling. You're going to get to hear from a single mother with three kids who sold her house, quit her job, and moved to Mexico. I talked to her before she left for her trip, after she had gotten rid of all of her belongings and was about to make this big change. And then eight months later, after she's already moved to Mexico, checked in with her to find out if some of her fears came true, how life is going down there, if it's really worth moving to become an expat, how she's adjusted on the fly to her new situation, what she's doing about income, how much it actually costs to live down in Mexico. Right now, she's got some great ideas around setting up a framework to do this with a family. And there are tons of tips along the way for anybody and everybody, whether you have a family or you're just an individual that's considering moving to another country at some point. How does that change you, submersing yourself in another culture and getting out of your own. Do you feel that calling? Is that something you've thought about before? Well, you're going to dig this episode. It's happening right now, my friend. So buckle up because this is a fun one. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so kindly for hanging out. Let me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. No long intro here because I kind of gave you the skinny going into this show, right? This is one of those unique shows that I record every once in a while and only every once in a while because they take so long to make and I'm always so proud of them and I really want to thank my new friend, Janita, for taking the time to do this with me. She sent me an email a while back, and then we recorded eight plus months ago. We recorded a show when she was about to move to Mexico, as I mentioned at the top, and then eight months later, we recorded again. We packed it all into this one show just for you so you can really see that transition to travel and what that can do to a person and how did she overcome some of those obstacles? What were some of the mindset challenges going in? 
uh, just so many universal questions for anybody that's considering making a big leap, whether you're just going to travel around the world, just whether you're going to travel around the world, say for a year, do some long-term travel or move somewhere, you get to see the whole picture, uh, one person's story. And uh, she's just a wonderful person, had so much good advice along the way that I know you can take away from this show and apply to your situation in some way, shape or form. So without further ado, we're going to get into it. Please enjoy, and I will see you on the other side, my friends. I don't want to miss this enthusiasm. I'm getting some good vibes here already. So. <laughs> and that's why I love you. <laughs> well, thank you. And no, I appreciate you writing and you know, sharing your story. And I just introduce yourself really quickly. Well, I am a 41-year-old single mother of three boys. Um, I'm an army brat, which has a lot to do with my love of travel, I think. I am one of those people who I just seek to live like an authentic life full of um, new experiences, meeting people. Like that's the kind of stuff that like that's my mojo. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I just try to I try to stay true to that. So that's who I am. Well, okay, and just so I'm pronouncing your name correctly, is it Janetta or Janita? Janita. Janita. <laughs> Janita. Darn it! I was like, it's either Janetta or Janita. Okay. And some people even call me Juanita. I'm like, really, Juanita? Oh, come on! Really? That's... <laughs> Give us a break here. Well, uh, mad props for um, first of all. I mean, being a single mom because that's no small job. I mean, I oh, yeah. just had my second kid. And oh, congrats! That's right. Thanks. It's a lot of work. And my parents split when I was ten, I guess. So you know, we were with my my mom a lot, and you know, I know it's it's a lot. So kudos to you. All right. I've worked a lot on military bases before, and I, I do understand the army brat thing, but you should, maybe some people are listening, they're like, never heard that term or whatever. So you should explain what that is. Yeah, I embrace it. So army brat is basically just an army kid. Um, and we kind of have a, a, like a fraternity sorority, if you will, because I don't think anyone understands, um, I should say military brat. You you make friends, then you leave. You make friends, then you leave. You get because you're only stationed for your like one and, of your parents was in the military, so you you're only there for a couple of years. Is that how it works? Yeah. So my mom actually um, was in the military. She was a single mother. Um, my mom's my Shira. My dad was killed when I was like fourteen months old. So my mom was basically a teenage widow because you know she had me when she was seventeen, but they were married. Um, they lived in Chicago, and so she was a teenage widow. But my mother made the decision. It was always her dream, actually, to join the Marines. But because she had two dependents, um, I think the Marines, there's a limit or whatnot. And so she went into the Army instead. Because she did that, though, so many lives were changed. Like my grandmother lived in Hawaii for 20 years, basically because my mom was stationed there and she moved there and she just stayed and she raised my cousins there. So now my cousin Cameron is married to a local, a Hawaiian, and they have five kids. You know what I mean? And like, he's basically, he's basically Hawaiian. Um, my uncle is there. My cousin went to college there. Another cousin moved there, found her husband there. And so 
Now, she's a military wife, has two kids. They've lived in Italy. My other cousin joined the military. Like, all because of one decision, because of one person, like, so many different lives were changed. So, my mom's my she Yeah. No, so. that's so true. Yeah, when you trace it back like that and you can think, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you could trace it back to this one thing and say, look at all of the things that have come out of that just from that one move. One, who knows right. Who knows where your journey and your kid's journey is going to get traced back to now because this yeah. this move that you're doing right now could be like one of those, well, I mean, in a way, it's almost impossible for it not to be, right? Because anytime you make a choice, you're giving something else up, but you're also embracing a new path. I just stole that word from you because you were saying you embraced the army brat or the military brat lifestyle. And I mean, I've heard both takes on that. Like, I don't know if that's a choice or if it's just like a mental thing, but I've, I've talked to people who have done that where they've moved around and they just didn't like it. And they associate that with having a bad childhood or it just, it wasn't like a fun thing for them or a positive thing for them. And I've talked to other people that are on the other end of the spectrum. They're super positive. They're like, oh, well that taught me like how to meet new people and make connections quickly. When you say you embraced that because you, that was your childhood, right? You were moving every two years for your whole childhood. I would say maybe every three to four, although between the end of sixth grade and the end of ninth grade, I went to five different schools. So that was that was probably the most at any one time. But I personally, I think one, it made me more um, empathetic with people. I find that I, I tend to make sure people feel like they belong or feel like like even when it's not my party, I'm one of those who like tries to make sure, okay, hey, make sure everyone's like feeling engaged, having a good time, which made me great in human resources. Um, And then I find that I'm more adaptable because as an art, like when you're moving, like things are not going to be the way that they were at the last place. And so you have to learn to adapt and what's it? Adapt, improvise, overcome (laughs) another military thing. But um, you really have to do that. And I find that that's helped me in life. Because like in an organization at work, things change. Oh, hell, it changed. Let's roll with it. Whereas other people, we used to do and we did this. And you get stuck in that mindset. So I, I personally, like I said, I embrace it. And I think that I learned a lot through the experience and met so many different people. I'm Facebook friends with my best friend from seventh grade, you know? Nice. So, cool. Yeah. So you've been able to still keep in touch with uh, some yeah. of those people even though you moved around. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, those are obviously great qualities to to get out of that experience. And you mentioned adaptability. I mean, of course, the first thing came to mind is, well, that's that's great for travel too, or kind of living that life where <laughs> you're just going to be on the road. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I do want to get into like what you're doing right now because this is a big thing. I want to talk first, I think, about the challenge of it still, the mental challenge, because even though you've had all of this change through your childhood and you've had to adapt and, and improvise and overcome <laughs> many times. But just because you did that doesn't mean that making a transition to long-term travel was gonna, is going to be easy, right? I mean, was it, right. is it still hard for you mentally to get yes. up to this point? Oh, yeah. And then, and I'm not one to harp on age, but the fact that I'm 41, my mom and I kind of talked about this. This is the time in people's lives. And, oh, yes, you know, we're setting roots. We're established. And I have this wonderful house and this. I've been in my job 15. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But, you know, I looked up and was like, shit, I've been working since I was 17. And I realized that 
it's all been in reaction to stuff. This happened, so okay, I'll do this. And I didn't really get to design what I want to do, you know? And so I'm at a point now where, yeah, it's hard. And and honestly, I the hard part is I have three lives dependent on me. If it was just about me, like, you know, I do it and like, whatever, I can live in a one bedroom, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. But I have three little lives dependent on me. And I'm like, what if I mess up their education? Because <laughs> we're homeschooling now. And it's like, what if I mess that up? And and what if, you know, people are, I'll be safe in Mexico. What if something does happen, you know? Um, and then the whole, like, there are so many what ifs going on in my head. But then I also look at the what if this leads to something magnificent in their lives? What if this inspires them to be da-da-da-da? What if this is the gateway to the purpose that I've been looking for? So I choose to focus more on those positive what ifs while still, you know, kind of preparing myself or guarding against some of the negative that might happen. Um, but this, it's scary. I sold my damn house. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I left, a, I left a really great job. Um, so it's scary. It's big and hairy and scary. But at the same time, I, I know within me that if I had kept going the way that I was, I was slowly dying every day. Like I've gained in the last few years, I've gained like 50 pounds because I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't happy. I was just kind of existing, you know, so well, let's I'm get excited. into where you're at right now, because just so people have a little bit of context of like literally where you're at, right where we're having this conversation. I mean, the place you're at also, but you know, what, what was the timeline leading up to this? I mean, you mentioned you've had kids and I'm mean, anyone, we don't have to go your whole life because it's like too much to ask yeah, for one person, but no. just yeah. when did you start thinking about leaving your job and then jump ahead and let us know when you left and sold your house and all that stuff and, and your plans so we can have a snapshot of like where you're at right now because these are special episodes because we're going to talk to you at some point in the future yeah. that we don't know when, <laughs> but you're going to be on the road with your kids and, and we're talking about all the fears now, but then we're going to see where that you're at then. Out. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to listen back yeah. to this. You're going to be like, whoa, but we don't know when. But that's, that's, that's happening later. So let's get into the now. <laughs> So, so I'll go back to um, September of 2017. Um, one of my coworkers left, okay. and, and that's about and a year ago from the time we're recording. Just it is, just yeah, so about you know. a year. Yeah, yeah, it is about a year. Um, well, she left, and she and I had had kind of had conversations anyway about she and her husband were thinking about um, retiring to Costa Rica, and she finally convinced them to retire. She sold her house and downsized. And we both, I listened to the op- Optimal Living Daily. And so I like hipped her to that where it's like talking minimalism and all that. And so she did it. Like she left and they moved to Florida. And it made me stop and go, you know, you keep talking about doing this. You keep talking about you want to do this. What are you waiting for? And then I started with the life coach and a personal trainer. And my life coach, I love life coaching because they pu- they help you pull out the truth that's already there. And I started asking myself, well, why not now? Because I kept saying, oh, I'll do it when the kids graduate. Because again, I don't want to mess them up. And I'm like, well, you did this, 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 and you're not messed up. So why do you think you'll mess them up? You know? Um, and so just talking to my life coach and journaling and, and 
meditating as best I can because I'm horrible at meditating. Um, we all are. <laughs> I, <laughs> right? It's like, Why is it so hard before? just to sit still and not think? <laughs> I, I mean, shouldn't it be easier? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. But um, I would say around the end of November, I knew. Like, I knew I was leaving. And I knew that it would be Merida, Mexico, because I had been there for my 40th birthday. And it was the one place that I traveled to. And I kept thinking, oh, God, my boys would love this. My boys would love this. Because usually, honestly, when I'm traveling without them, I am, I'm thinking about them because, you know, they're my kids. But I'm like, woohoo, you <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> you need a break. Like, yeah, you're taking some me time then, right? I mean, right. that's totally I- <laughs> understandable. <laughs> so this was like the one time I was like, oh, my gosh, like they would love this because it's such a, a cute little place. And like they closed the street down and did bike rides. So anyway, um, I would say probably in November, I knew in our life coaching group, I declared it like I declared I'm moving to Mexico. I'm doing it. And so then it became I'm the type of person once I set like make a decision Oh, it's all about execution. It's like, okay, bam, 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 bam. And so um, I didn't initially tell my mom or my grandmother or a lot of people because at that point, it's like a a new baby. You don't want everybody kissing on your baby, you know, because they might give them germs and infected. And and so I just I just needed it to be me and this positive group that I was in to 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 nurture it, if you will. And so in December, I was on, um, I'm a travel agent on the side. I planned a new New Year's Eve in New Orleans trip. And so I shared with my cousin my plan. And she was all excited for me and she's all about it. Um, And finally, I would say in March, because I'm, you know, the whole time I'm doing research and I'm making a plan. um, And in March, I took my grandmother with me and the boys to the Smoky Mountains and I broke the news to her. And I told my mom, like I tried to FaceTime my mom so I could tell her about the same time. So I told her, I think either the like right after I told my granny or right before, because these are the, these are the two women that I'm the most concerned about. My granny's 87, and they're in Nashville. I'm the only family member. Um, they both took it so much better than I thought they would, you know, because I had this big like, oh my god, my granny's gonna have like a breakdown, and you know. What right. I mean? Right. And my mom's going to call me stupid and, you know, but my mom has been so supportive and like, that's where I am now at my mom's house. Um, she's been so supportive. My granny, although she's sad about us leaving, she was so supportive. And so um, I almost wish I had told him earlier, you know, because in my mind, like, oh, they're going to freak out. So anyway, so I told them. And then after I told them, I gave notice at my job. So and that was and then, in then, it, then it gets really real, right? I mean, oh, it's it already real, big. but oh, honey, <laughs> you know what? You make a plan and life will kick it in the kneecaps. Let me tell you about that. Um, so my last day at my job was April 20th. Um, and that was uh, about four months ago from the time of this recording. We're recording yes. this right now. It's August 22nd, 2018, just to give yeah. everybody the timeline. So so that was April 20th, and I planned it out so that I would have, you know, oh, this paycheck, this paycheck, and got my um, fitness bonus, and I had a trip to South Africa planned, and so I'm like, dude, I'm not going to worry about PTO and all that. I'm just leaving, you know, so in my mind, I had a great time plan, 
And the market in Nashville is hot right now because everybody's moving there. So I'm like, oh, my house, will be, my friends, they sold their house in like a week, you know, two days. Of course, it didn't work out that way. Of course, it took two months to sell my house. That's so been then sort that's, of the thing that's holding up a little bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then I didn't get as much as I wanted for it. And so, you know, then the other fear of, do I have enough comes up. I'm still moving forward. So it didn't work out perfectly, but I'm still, I'm committed now. I'm still moving forward. I have gotten the chills multiple times during this conversation because I am so inspired by what you've done and which is, I knew it would be inspiring because of your email and what you said. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you. And you've put in so much work to get to this point and also just mental work too. Like, I mean, people don't realize like the, the logistics behind it I don't think this whole transition to travel, I mean, the thing that fascinates me the most is it's not that there are a lot of things to take care of, certainly, but it's the mental stuff that you have to deal with. So you feel comfortable with signing a contract that's saying, hey, your house is for sale or like getting rid of your stuff and everything like that. I do want to dig into some of that stuff. I just want to pull a couple of things that you said, because I think they could be helpful for other people. Like even though your granny and your mom were super supportive, people listening, they might not they, they're probably like, yeah, they, they might not know how people are going to react. So I really like the idea of, hey, you had this supportive group and that you kind of made it public to them and just stayed within that little bubble of support for a little while until you kind of got some more confidence and strength around it, it sounds like. I think that's such a great tip, you know, for people if they are worried about having those conversations. But then also on the flip side, don't build it up so much. Like maybe they will be supportive, right? Like you were saying in your mind that they weren't, but uh, that you thought they weren't going to be, but then it turns out that they were all about it. Right. Yeah. And what's funny is, um, they, they know me better than I, I thought they did because I think anyone who knows me, this is not a huge surprise. <laughs> it's not a huge surprise. Like it was, it was going to happen at some point, you know? Um, but yeah, I do think finding groups that that are supportive and where you have people who are kindred helps. And that's also where honestly podcasts I started listening to I think Budget Minded Traveler first because one of my millennial friends suggested it. And then from there like I absolutely love podcasts because it opens up information that is not necessarily readily available to you, you know? And sometimes you learn things that you didn't even know you thought would be interesting. <laughs> like there's a show called Art of Manliness. It's for men. I don't care. I love the show. Like, and they talk about the best things. So I would say filling your mind with things that support your dream or that 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 thing that's that's like, I don't know, keeping you awake, you know? Uh, and Facebook groups, there I didn't realize I'm not the only one. There's single moms in Mexico group. Who knew, right? Like, who knew? So, yeah. So uh, that group is so great. Before I shared it with um, some family members and people who, like, people who don't travel have been the most scary. You know, oh, don't go to Mexico. Oh, don't do this. And I have to remember, they don't go anywhere, you know, so they don't know. But people who have been outside the country, and I don't mean like just to the all-inclusive resorts. I mean like actually been outside like the country and experienced people. Um, 
they are more open to to understanding it and they are um, actually excited about what may come from it. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like for you, I mean, it's just like the mental processing to get to this point where you're actually doing it of the podcast and consuming. And then there was the action taking, like getting a coach and like being vocal about it and putting the intention out there. And, and then also you mentioned, I think the third thing was just... I guess just starting to take action, right? And telling people and telling the people that were close to you, oh, you're helping your friends and then kind of realizing, well, she just did that and and using that as inspiration. Like, well, I'm I'm talking about this. I'm helping other people do it. Why not me? And being proactive instead of, like you said, reactive, all great things that got you to this point in your life journey. You don't have a house right now (laughs) and you don't have your stuff, I guess. You sold all your stuff. Is that... I sold everything and people are like, are you putting it in storage? I'm like, hell no. But part of that, honestly, and I say this has been a process. So my granny had the opportunity to move back to Hawaii. What about my stuff? What about my stuff? And I'm like, damn the stuff, you know, just we'll put it in storage or whatever. And so the lesson I learned from that was like, she was a prisoner of her stuff. Like this thing that you keep talking about, you want to do, you're not doing because you're stuff. And I'm like, I don't want stuff to be that important to me. You know, like I said, I listen to a podcast that has a lot of minimalist ideas, although I'm not a minimalist. I do feel like um, sometimes people use stuff to like, uh, I don't know, not project, but to, to fill gaps, you know. Um, and so I sold everything pretty much my kids and you talk about mental preparation. One of the things I had to do is prepare my kids. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. So, <laughs> they've always known mommy's going to live in another country, yeah. but again, I was going to wait till they graduated. Um, well, how old are they? So, Just so everybody oh, my, my oldest is 12 and my twins are 10, all boys. Um, the twins, when I told them, oh, they're like, oh. Well, actually, one of them was really excited about it. The other one, not so much. He was like, can I take my guitar? Like, what about this? You know, and my oldest was just not feeling it at all. Although he's like a preteen and he's apathetic about a whole lot of stuff. So I don't know what how to read him at all. <laughs> sure. Inside, he might be excited, but he's just <laughs> like, trying to be like, cool, right? <laughs> are you OK? Like, do you, should I be concerned? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. So what I did was for their 10th birth, the twins' 10th birthday, which their birthday is a day after mine, I took all of them to Mexico. I took them to Merida so that they could experience it. And a couple of friends actually went with us, and we went on uh, an excursion to the cenotes. And Edward, one of the twins, oh, he just fell in love because they kept calling him Lalo. And we were the only English speakers on this tour, okay? Everyone else was a native Spanish speaker. And so, and even the tour guide, like most of it was in Spanish. He'd speak English to help, you know, pull us in. But this lady Blanca, she's, she lives in D.C., but she would talk to me in Spanish to help me kind of mentally like speak, you know what I mean? Like pull it out of me. And I'm like, ah, so then she talked in English. But anyway, they did such a great job of like taking care of my kids. Like even though I was on this, this excursion, just me and my three boys, this one lady and her father, they were like, oh, don't worry about it. We have them. So my my two of them were able to go like bike ride down the path because these people 
like watched out for them. And I stayed on the horse cart with Edward. And then he didn't want to go into the last two cenotes. So he stayed with Mimo, the um the tour guide, you know, oh no worries, Lalo, you know, so he so they just I just I fell in love with the people and so did my kids, you know, and we were out at the park and I mean I don't know, we just it was so warm and welcoming and um it gave them a better view of it. We even toured a school while we were there so they could, you know, because at first I was thinking I'd put them in private school so that we toured, a, we toured a school there and we walked around a couple of different neighborhoods. We went to the mall, which is funny because we go to this mall, Albrista Mall in Merida, right? What did we see? Fuddruckers, IHOP, <laughs> Chili's. I'm like, dude, yeah. what? <laughs> You're like, well, we could have stayed home for this. Right? It's like, there's a Home Depot. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. This is Mexico. But um, yeah, so I think part of getting them there, getting them to, to embrace it was giving them an experience of it. So it's not this unknown thing, but they have some contacts and some, um, some, uh, I guess, uh, relationship to it. So, okay. Yeah. And you said, uh, just from your email, I'm not sure if this is still the plan, but that you were going to be around <laughs> Mexico for around six months and then going to places like Belize, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, and then kind of staying like 30 to 90 days in each place and home and world schooling along the way. So when you first, talk to the kids did you present it like hey this is what we're doing so i know it's going to take time to get used to or was it an open negotiation kind of thing i actually because as some people might think i'm kind of weird our kids are not ours to own they're little people you know and so i kind of watch for how they're wired and i try to work within their wiring my oldest is very um, uh, what's the word? He's very left brain. He's very like, you said this, so this is what, very literal, you know what I mean? And he needs like structure. And so I know this is like way out of his comfort zone. And so I told him, I said, if you don't want to go, it's okay. You know, I'll see about maybe if you want to stay with grandma or talk to your dad, you know, mommy's going, you know, me and your brothers. And I know that may sound harsh to some people, but it's almost like that put your oxygen mask on first thing. Like, I know that I was dying. I know I have to do this for me. Like, I have to do this. But I don't want me doing this for me to be a detriment to him. And so I offered that up. And he decided, no, he wants to stay with us. He wants to, he's willing to do this. It's also so he's like taking ownership of the decision. Yeah, yeah. So it's not something mommy forced you to do. And that was open to all of them. It's not something I'm forcing you to do. And I've even committed to them that we're doing this for a year. And at the end of the year, we'll sit down and we'll assess how it's going, whether we want to keep doing it or not. Um, even the homeschooling thing, I told them, you know, so this is what we're going to try. If it doesn't work, if you feel like, you know, you're not, because he's like, really doesn't think I'm smart enough to teach him math. Like, okay. Again, this is like. Give mom some things. credit, you know? guys. Yeah. Come on. He's kind of <laughs> right. Okay. He's kind of right. But you no, know, I can't tell him that. Um, well, that's but, why they yeah, have so these I, online courses, right? In case you get into honey, stock, you would be like, here we go. Just follow this. Yes. <laughs> Khan Academy is awesome, by the way, for parents. Like, Which Khan one? Academy is good. Khan Academy. Khan Academy. K-H-A-N. Okay. So I can go take like fifth grade math. <laughs> so that's... Is that a resource <laughs> for homeschooling? Khan Academy? Oh, it's a resource for anyone, really. Okay, like yeah. there's adult learning stuff on there as well. But I do use it to... Um, 
S like they have a grammar uh, section on there. So I've let him use that to, um, to kind of stay up on his grammar and as a refresher. Uh, so it is great for uh, filling in the gaps. It's not a complete curriculum, but it's it is a good resource to use. And it'll uh, as a parent, it'll give you a report of how long your kid has been on there, what they're what they've learned or what they've looked at while they're on there. So it's actually a pretty good resource and it's free. So <laughs> it's really good. Oh, yeah. So we uh, after a year, we'll assess like how it's going and determine if we put down roots or if we keep traveling. Now, I already know in my in my mind, in my heart that I want to keep traveling. Um, I'm getting my TFL certification because I really want to go teach in like Bahrain or Dubai. I didn't want to go that far this first time because that would be a huge jump for them and for me. Um, but like in the back of my mind, that's kind of my next step, but I, I will be true to what I'm saying to them and we'll assess it after a year and see where it goes. I've kind of voiced that already. And the, the twins are like, oh yeah, cause we want to see the tallest building. And then so they already are like, <laughs> they're already excited about it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. What an adventure. And have they been in the same school their whole lives? No. So, um, I lived in Nashville for 16 years, which is the longest I've lived anywhere in my whole life. Um, and I actually moved their side on scenes. It's hilarious. But um, they've always lived in Nashville. But my oldest went to two different, three different schools. Um, and then my youngest, they just went to two different schools because we moved. Because when we bought a house, we moved to a new neighborhood. So they they know what it's like to have to make new friends because of our most recent move. Um, and the twins, they meet no strangers. I, them, I'm not even worried about. Like, they, I know that they'll be okay as far as making friends. My oldest is a loner by nature anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't know how this might go for him. We'll see. He, even at, like, in Nashville, he didn't make, like, any lasting friendships. So I just hope, you know, I'm like, should I do something about that? Like, what do I do? I don't know. Right. I'm just kind of well, letting him be himself. Yeah, I think that's the best thing. And I think whether somebody's like planning something like you're doing with a spouse or with kids and a family, which is a big reason why I want to talk to you because this there's some extra layers here with uh with families and kids and stuff, but either way, it sounds like you're you've really like found a way to just kind of use your intuition and, and like kind of feel that space out between each individual kid and kind of try to create some kind of container that's still going to be comfortable for them, which is nice. All right. So you were doing HR, you mentioned, right? So that was, uh, was that? <laughs> At one point in life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, what job did you leave? What were you doing? I was, it's, it's so funny. I was an asset manager for a portfolio of military hotels. So the company I worked for, I don't know if you remember years ago, the army privatized their lodging program. Um, and so my company won that contract. And so we renovate, I say we, like I'm still there. We renovated and built new hotels um, on army bases. And so my job was pretty much to oversee um, the operations of, there were 40. And at some points I had all 40. At other points I had like half that, like 22 locations. So part of my job was really cool because I got to travel <laughs> And I would actually stay in boutique hotels. I love boutique hotels. And so 
when I became a travel agent, it was really awesome because I could stay in this hotel on the company dime, but review it and like take video for my travel business, which I probably, I hope, I guess they can't do anything to me now. But um, yeah, so I actually enjoyed it. I started there as a receptionist because I lost my job in HR. And so I started the company as a temp uh, working as a receptionist and they ended up hiring me on. So I took like, I took a big cut just doing that, but it, it was really a great company. And so over the eight years I was there, I was promoted like three or four times. Um, but that last position, it was a great position. Like it was a great promotion, but what it ended up being other than like the times I got to travel was a bunch of reporting that didn't mean anything yeah, okay. to anyone. So yeah, it started so losing. Was, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It, I, you've been there for a while. So it was a stable job. It was a, a good job. You even liked a good bit of it. You've had a good run there, but which sometimes can make it even harder to leave. Of course. I mean, it's easy to leave a job you totally hate, but I mean, when you get that dissatisfaction, and you look ahead and you're somebody who knows in your heart you want to travel, it's really tempting to like do what you're doing and, and just take off. I wanted to get into a lot of some of the fears you're feeling right now because we're going to talk to you in the future. And by the way, there's no guarantee that you're going to be happy either. I think you will be, but we're not going to edit this and make it sound like, oh, okay, well, you know, everything's, I mean, you're just going to tell us the reality of what it is, you know, some months from now. But since we're talking to you right now, you've mentioned a lot of the fears, of course, the the education of your kids and is it going to, you know, mess them up using your, your words and, and all that stuff and how you've kind of been thinking about those. But what are some of the other things that you're nervous about and, and scared about? Um, looking unwise. And I know like you shouldn't care what other people think, but you know, I don't have $30,000 saved up. Like I listened to, I think it was Nick and someone you had on. He's like, oh yeah, we had $30,000. I'm like, dude, I don't have $30,000. Maybe, maybe I should have been smarter about this. Like that's one of my fears is maybe I am not doing this in a very smart way. Um, financially, so, you mean? Yeah, financially. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do? And that's part of why, like my travel business is established and I'm like, okay, so I need to to figure out how to make this generate a little bit more income. I became certified as a life coach. It's like, okay, so I need to work on generating more income here. Because those are the two ways to generate income that really are, like, authentic to me. And then the practicality comes in. Like, okay, so what if you don't have clients? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so then I'm like, okay, so I can teach English online, you know, and there's a bunch of companies that do that. The TEFL certification, okay, I can do that. And so I am, I'm trying to balance the, what authentically is me, you know, ways to generate income. And also the let's be practical, you just need to make some money ways to generate income. Because that's, that's probably, to be honest with you, that is my biggest fear is, making sure that I can provide for my family. And I will tell you, uh, WorkAway is another source. There's a, a ranch that reached out to me. We could live there six months, a ranch in San Antonio. We could actually, they want me to come there and teach. And I could go there six months and all I have to do is pay for like, because my kids will be going to school at their school. And that's like 300 a month, but they provide room and board. So I'm like, that's sort of my see how this first six months goes and then like reach out. I was like, hey, you know. Um, so my biggest fear is being able to provide financially for my kids. But that also, 
I considered that when I made this decision coming up to leaving my job. I had a good job doing stuff that really didn't require a lot of brain work. Seriously, like I, I was bored. And it's like, okay, so if I leave there and do the work that I'm actually passionate about, it's basically half of what the income that I could make doing this boring job, right? And so my thing was, okay, so how can I do work that I love but still live a quality of life that works for me? And that's how leaving the country became the answer because I can live on the income generated from my travel business in another country. I can't really do it here in the United States. And so that was part of what went into this decision. Yeah, because you're saying, oh, you're going to you're going to making half as much. But then if it's half as expensive, then you're not really taking a step that you're just taking a lateral step essentially. Right, right. Of course, but you're also getting the travel experience and and the newness and the freshness and you're getting to do something around something that's more authentic to you, as you say in your words. And it's exactly. And so part of the plan, uh, so going to Mexico as a travel agent, the Mexican Riviera and even Baja, like um, Cabo San Lucas area, it's a big market. And so the beautiful thing is that I will be there and I can actually go and explore these places so that so that that way, when I put together these trips, I've been there. I have more insight into it. I can make connections with vendors. Um, I actually have a retreat that I've put together for a client for next April. I'm going to be on the ground there. So I'm like, it's going to be so great to actually find vendors who can make the experience so much better for my clients. Um, so that's part of it. We actually probably may have found the house, four bedroom, four bathroom on the beach. Are you kidding me? For $600 a month. Where, what years. website did you find that? Well, I didn't. Um, so there's a, I told you these Facebook groups are awesome. There's a Facebook group called Casitas in Merida, which is where I was targeting, Merida, Mexico. So this one is actually in Progreso, which is 20 minutes from Merida. Um, and I posted, Hey, looking for a place, me and my three kids, blah, blah, blah. And a couple of people posted, but this one in particular, I get a good vibe from her. So she and I've been in communication. She sent me an agreement. So that way I could see the agreement and she's no pressure for me to like, you know, sign it before seeing the place, which one person was like, Oh, send me this money now. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. that's no, not happening. That's not- <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but this lady has so far has been great to work with. And the pictures, it's not like swanky, like, you know, luxury, but that's not what I'm going there for. So far, I'm loving it. We'll see once I get there, though. Well, believe it or not, there's a chance that we'll be in Mexico with my family in five or six months. So wouldn't it be so cool if we got to do this second part in person in Mexico? I'm just throwing that vibe out there to the universe because... (laughs) I love that. And I know you like beer, so I'll try and like... That would be amazing. We could sit, we could hang out and <laughs> just do this over a survey. So yeah, that would be awesome. There is a lot to unpack here, but I think we, we've we covered your big fears. And you know the financial fears, of course, is something I think everybody's going to relate to if they're going through this transition to long-term or full-time travel. And I mean, you're doing it. Yeah. The you're other fears it. are little things like... And some some of them are nuances because I'm, so I'm a plus size woman. So I'm like, will I be able to find clothes? <laughs> and I have big feet. Like, will I be able to find shoes? These are the things know, that go through. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids, like haircuts, you know, like, 
Well, be able to find a barber for them? Should I, should I learn how to cut hair? Because I don't do that kind of stuff. Um, so those are like little things that those will not stop me. The biggest fear, though, I would say is just the fine. I'm not even really the language thing is not intimidating to me when I when I really tap in and and the finance is probably the the biggest fear. Yeah. Well, so everything I, I everybody think, has their big and you know big ones yeah. and small ones and things. I mean, you can't help but when you're making this big of a change in life, like these things, random things are going to run through your mind, right? Like in the middle of the night, you're just thinking about you know your <laughs> yeah. kids' haircuts or whatever. It's like, oh, what am I doing? But you've tackled so many fears leading up to this, you know, just to get to this point of letting go of your job, letting go of your house, letting go of your stuff, and all of the things it takes to do what you're doing. And then also I think letting go of this idea of, Hey, okay. So my kids aren't going to have this quote unquote traditional school existence for like this period of their lives. And who knows how long this will go, but just kind of detaching from the idea that, that that's like, could be a negative thing because who's to say, I think it's a great thing to have your kids out of school and to be showing them the world because they're going to learn so many things that they can never learn in a classroom. It's so exciting. So it's exciting because, so one, I will say the homeschool thing has been, that's one of the big things I've had to research. (laughs) This is funny. I have to share this. In my research, I didn't research the law. Okay. And so (laughs) I didn't know that in Tennessee, you have to have an umbrella school. I didn't know this. And um, so one of my church members has been really great with giving me information about places to find curriculum and what she's used. And so when we were in the hotel, like leaving Nashville on our way down to Savannah, um, I was just logging in, just like checking in with her because I'm still researching curriculum. Right. And she said, "Um, yeah, our umbrella school requires 180 days. And I was like, "Hmm?" and so I quickly Google searched umbrella school. And like did a couple more searches, I apparently was breaking the law because I just didn't because the house closed breaking on the, the law, 10th. Breaking the law. Right. So school in Tennessee and Davidson County started on uh, the 7th. Well, the house closed on the 10th. I'm like, I'm not sending the kids to school for three days, right? I apparently was breaking some truancy law. And so it's August 13th, right? And so I just looked up the umbrella school she was using and they had on there that they would not accept the kids if they've missed five days of school. That was the fifth day. So I'm calling. I'm like, yeah, da 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 And the lady's like, don't worry. Go ahead and register. This will be considered your, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, it was so funny because I'm like, umbrella school? What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, never even knew that. That's good to be aware of. Yeah, it's uh. So, Yes. Who would think like, yeah, that's a whole other debate. We don't need to get into the, yeah, the laws of the land yeah. when it comes to education and everything. But um, oh, do you, you want to yeah. share some resources that have been helpful, like the big oh, ones that have been goodness. the most helpful for you? And then we'll uh, just share some of those. Yeah. So I will say, you know, it doesn't have to be super expensive um, because I was looking at like the private online homeschools. And we're talking like maybe $7,000, you know, tuition for three kids. Um, Because I have three kids. Like, that's a huge, for one kid, it might not be so much. But for three kids, it can be a lot. And so by talking to people who, uh, they're in Nashville who already homeschooled, they, like, Easy Peasy is a free online, like, it is free. It's all in one homeschool. Or you can do, like, a couple of topics 
And the thing to remember is that you are not required, at least in Tennessee, they don't require any particular curriculum. So you really could just get like a history textbook from like Amazon or something and teach your kids history using that textbook. Um, there's a resource called Moby Max. My mom is a teacher, so she's told me all this stuff. But Moby Max actually has math, science, English. And so it helps with any educational gaps. But they also have a state, um, state requirements kind of assessment test. So you can have your kids take that test to see where they have gaps and where you might need to augment their education. And that's like maybe $49 a year just for a subscription to that. Um, so that's been a great resource. Uh, easy peasy. It's a good place to start. I didn't use easy peasy. I decided on, um, I'm kind of a nerd. So I decided on essentials in writing for their language arts because I think reading and writing are like, to me, two very important things. Math is important, but let's be real. To live your everyday life, you pretty much just need fifth grade math. How do you calculate that percent off? How do you calculate this discount? Is he, you know, give me a good deal on this car? Um, but like, so essentials in writing, which is also great because it's independent. It's video. I don't have to actually teach it. It's a video lesson and it's, you know, bah, bam. And then, um, T teaching textbooks I chose from math because, again, it's online, it's independent, um, because my goal was not to be their, like, actual teacher for everything. I want to be the resource for them, and I'm, I help them manage getting the work done and help fill in the gaps for the learning, but I didn't want to be responsible for the actual, I guess, instruction of everything. Okay, so, gotcha, yeah. yeah. Th that's all great stuff. Thank you, and I just want to say congratulations for everything you've done and the fact that you're being proactive and you're 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 going for this thing that has been it sounds like something in your heart that you've wanted to do for a while and now you're just you're just like hey I'm not going to wait anymore I'm not going to wait till this sort of quote unquote perfect time in life when my kids graduate and everything I'm just going to do this now and um you're an inspiration and I uh Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you reached out and we're going to do some time traveling here and <laughs> we're going to talk to you in some amount of months down the road after you've been out there on the road for a while and, and we're going to get into that and we're going to hear if your fears were unfounded, how you're doing with all the financial stuff, how the kids are doing and everything like that. I'm really excited for that conversation too. So thank you so much, Janita, and looking forward to uh, connecting with you, hopefully in person. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Thanks for thank sharing you your so story. Much. Yeah. And just, and just being so transparent with everything. And we'll, uh, we'll be chatting with you soon. All right. All right. Well, well, well. If it isn't Janita, how are you? <laughs> it's so nice to see you. You as well. I talked to you a little over eight months ago. And during the interview, you also said you quit your job April 20th of last year. And that was now over a year ago. So you quit your job over a year ago, just over a year ago. And we recorded for the first time over eight months ago, and you weren't even in Mexico yet. I'm not even sure if you're still in Mexico. Who knows where you are right I now? Am. Okay, you're in Mexico. So 
holy crap, we got a lot to talk about because I have a whole list here of things that we discussed before. What has been going on? Where are you? Oh my gosh. So I am in Merida, Mexico. For a month, I stayed in Progreso, Mexico um, because I found it on like online in one of the groups. And being American, I needed to have a plan. I needed something set up for when I got here. And so I set this place up just based on pictures and hated it. (laughs) Really? Okay. You mean the first destination or the actual accommodation you were staying at? Well, both. Both. Um, And I went with Progresso because the prices for Medida had gone up. It increased from when I first looked at it. Um, but the price for this house was um, 12,000 pesos, which was about 600 US. In my novice mind, that was a great price. And it seemed really fair, you know. And so um, when I got to the house and I got to Progresso, I realized that, hmm, this is not really what I want. Um, the house was four bedrooms, four bathrooms, really big house, but it was old. There was no air conditioning. I had to light the stove with the match. It was not plugged up to the electricity. Um, The the kitchen didn't have hot water. Lizards loved us. Um, (laughs) The adventure begins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The whole backyard was sand. So it was the beach was right behind us. But the Malecon ended behind our home, which meant people were out there drinking all night. Right. And people would would ride horses on the beach and they leave their droppings. Um, so it wasn't exactly what you imagine as like, I'm going to live on the beach. So, yeah, that didn't work out too well. How are the boys doing? They're doing well. Um, it, so Progresso was tough because, one, they weren't going to school, which they aren't now either. They're homeschooled. Um, but the language thing was a lot worse there because... Um, we didn't interact very much with other expats and we would go to the park. Like I'd go to the park in the evenings to do Zumba and the kids would play with other kids, but that was the only time they ever played with other kids and everything else we wanted was in Merida, which was a bus ride away and was just kind of, so Progresso was not the place for us. Some people love it, but it was just not the place for us. Yeah. So you were there for how long? A month, okay. one month. And then you moved to Merida? Merida, yeah. And it's not far. It's about maybe 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but what's funny is the, the kids, the twins, they would be scared because we had cockroaches and um, lizards. And then, you know, the people behind the house or whatever. And so some nights I'd have to sleep with them in their room. And they'd be like, when are we leaving this house? <laughs> so it was uh, the last two weeks were really long, really yeah. long. Going through things like that, do you kind of bond in a different way as a family, right? You do. And I think it helps them learn resilience um, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, it wasn't really that bad. You know, it was it was more their imagination than anything. And so we talk about fear, how it's bigger in your head than it actually is, right? How, you know, and so it, it, I think it helps them be a little bit more resilient and a little stronger and a little more, um, they get better at pushing through fear. 
So, well, speaking of fears, let's talk about some of the ones you ticked off in the prior episode, which is connected to this one as we've time traveled already. We're eight months ahead. We're recording this May 6th, 2019. And yeah, some of the things that you were worried about, you had some what ifs and you talked about um, there were like good what ifs and bad what ifs. And we discussed some of the bad ones. You were worried about maybe messing up the boys' education with the homeschooling. Uh, you were worried about something happening in Mexico bad. Uh, you were worrying about, you know, finding a place to live and, and how the boys would do and all these things. And primarily, you know, a lot around your kids, which is obviously, as a parent, I understand that's the, the usually the primary concerns. Let's talk about some of those fears. Do you do you feel like this experiment has, I mean, if you want to call it experiment, or your new life down in Mexico has messed up? their education in some way like was that an unfounded fear or I was very good at school and so for me school and their dad is Nigerian which if you know any Nigerians you have to get your education you know so school (laughs) school is a big deal and so to take them out of conventional school um it was scary But what I have since found is I read this book, Outwitting the Devil, which gives you a whole different perspective about conventional education. And I I did more listening to like um, there was uh, this family that had a podcast and then some people that I've heard on your podcast talking about world schooling and unschooling and still being successful. Their kids still being successful, you know, contributing, compassionate, educated human beings. And so... um, took the plunge and it's been a progression of me loosening up some of the um trying to make it just like school you know and so I find that I do this weird combination of homeschool world schooling and a teensy weensy bit of unschooling (laughs) because um it gives them some freedom to chase down what's interesting to them it allows me to Um, Like one of my kids, he just is not your conventional thinker. He's very creative and he has a very short attention span. And so one of the things I had him do, for example, was research the life cycle, like the first eight weeks for kittens, because our cat had a kitten, had five kittens. And so he did it. He made a PowerPoint and it had cute little pictures and it had like what to expect this week, this week, this week. And so that was something that was important to him. You know, my other son, he wanted to deep dive into black holes and wormholes, which I still don't understand, you know, and he gave a presentation. So what I tend to do is less tests and quizzes and more. Tell me about what you learned. Right. Um, We went to Belize and we did um, an excursion of the lagoon, the seven color lagoon. And so they each had to tell a fun fact that they learned and um, also explain about the lagoon. And I have them do that using PowerPoint or using, um, you know, whatever creative means they want or writing about it as opposed to giving tests and quizzes. Because think about the real world. That's what you do. Right. You present information. So, yeah, this is a. A totally different way of living for you guys, too. I mean, not just the homeschooling, unschooling, world schooling hybrid or whatever you have going on there, but also the fact that you're all together most of the day, too, right? I mean, usually kids go to school, they come back. <laughs> How has that been? 
So I'm having to learn or relearn self-care and uh, decompression time. And so, yeah, so that's been an issue. But thankfully, they're older. And so I don't have to be with them every moment. And the way houses are made here in Mexico, I feel safe when I go off for an hour or two to the cafe and they're here working. So it's worked out pretty well. And then we have, uh, there's some programs where they're in the program and I get to have a couple of hours to myself. So other than that, though, it's, it's great because I think I get to learn their little personalities a bit more. And I feel like we are more of a unit if that makes any sense. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, I would say, as a family. Coming off a two-and-a-half-month-long trip with my family, I can kind of at least get a peek into what that's like to be together. All I mean, my kids are younger, so we're together a lot, but my daughter goes to daycare, so that's that was totally eliminated. And it was just, yeah, you just kind of form more of that unit, I think. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. On the safety tip... Obviously, that was a big concern for you, leaving the country, uh, moving to a new country, and being in Mexico with your family. Has there been any issues? What's the situation there? It's mostly a non-factor. I mean, it, as a parent, you practice safety precautions anyway, no matter where you are. Um, I would say that we feel safer here in Merida than we did when we were in Progreso. Some of that has to do with how the house is made. And some of that has to do with um, Merida just is safer. Um, we haven't had any incidents. We feel like there are times we'll walk from one of our little hangouts here, like 11 o'clock at night, or walk from the movie theater, and we're perfectly fine. You know, so we haven't had any issues at all. And I don't feel unsafe here at all. So, so you sold your house. You got rid of all your stuff. You didn't put it in storage. We talked about that in the last section of this. And how do you feel about those decisions now? I wish I'd kept more clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. That was one of your concerns because you said you weren't sure if you were going to be able to get clothes down there. Has it been a hard time? And then, so it's funny, the first month I lost a little weight because in Progresso I had to cook and we walked everywhere. And when I moved that, when I moved here to Medida, there's Uber Eats and Rappi, which delivers groceries and food. And then with the way that I work, I don't really feel like cooking. And it's cheaper sometimes just to eat out. So I, I've gained a little weight, which does not help because um, when I went to the mall, <laughs> the first time I had sort of a, a, a nervous breakdown. Because <laughs> I wanted to serve Sears. Um, and I'm looking for the plus section, which, you know, it's not in English. And I'm looking and I go round in circles and I finally just stand there and go, I'm in the land of little people. <laughs> and I know they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you wish you kept some clothes. But other than that, yeah. I mean, what about the house? Was that a, has that been? I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I'm, I'm. I hear I have a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bathroom, two-story house with a garden um, that's comparable in most ways to what I had in the United States, um, only I don't have to worry too much about the maintenance and upkeep. That's the landlord's problem. Um, where we are, I don't need a car. I, we walk to everything, or we take the bus, or mm -hmm. we Uber. I love that. Um, yeah, totally different it's, change it's, of life, uh, right? 
like daily life. Yeah, oh my mm-hmm. And I've become a hammock lover. I love ending my day in my hammock on my back patio. And the wind blows in my garden. It has these vines on the wall and these yellow flowers. And then I have these the orange flowers in the flower bed. And it's just like the wind blowing and rustling the flowers. And I'm lying in my hammock looking at the stars. And I absolutely love my life. I love it. So I have no regrets about stuff other than I wish I had more clothes. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this like a month-to-month situation? Or are you still are you still treating this as a year-long kind of experiment thing? Or do you feel like you're settling in more because things obviously change, which is why we're doing having this chat now. I'm just curious where you're at with all that. So the first six, we'll say seven months, the first seven months was really me asking myself, okay, what am I doing? Do I want to do this? What the hell does this mean? Um, So we did the month in Progresso and I met a woman here who helped me find a place and she, we negotiated a contract for a house, which I decided to stay in one place Instead of, I think I initially wanted to maybe travel three to six months and like go somewhere different. What I realized is that like one of my sons, I think he might be on the, I think he might have Asperger's. I'm not, I've never had him tested, but he gets very agitated when things are too different, right? And so having some stability works for him. Um, and even for me, like having a place to come back to, it feels better than living this this transitional, because um, that month at my mom's and then the month in Progresso, like it was, I just didn't like being so transitional. So for us, having a home base works. Um, and so I decided to sign a year-long lease here. And at our six-month mark, like right before six months, we traveled to Mexico City, Belize, um, Chetumal, Bacalar, Celestune. So we did some traveling outside of here and it all confirmed that we were in the right place. Like we love to visit those other places, but Merida is the right place for us. And so we'll be here probably for another at least 18 months to two years. We'll see. Okay. Wow. And the boys are on board with this because I know you mentioned kind of checking in with them and seeing how they were responding and kind of having those open conversations. Have you had to have any heavy conversations with them? Oh, yeah. At one point, they were frustrated about not having friends and about um, not being with other kids. And so one of them now is in soccer. Um, My eldest was in Taekwondo for a couple of months, but he didn't really like it. So Um, but we also there's a homeschool co-op that we're a part of. We go every Friday and then there's an art class at a language school here. And so they go every Tuesday. And then my teen got involved with the teen meetup, some of the expat kids, because it's hard being a teenager in this life, um, is what I've discovered. The younger kids, it's it's almost okay, you know, but the teenagers, it's tough. Um, so he's a part of that teen meetup. And those things have helped tremendously. I actually, we have a meetup today at the arcade at four o'clock. So, so this is part of the to, expat yeah. community. Is that right? Uh some of these things or is this local meetup stuff too? So I am all about um, making sure they also have local kids. And so the soccer is actually, so here in Mexico you have Deportivos and it's the sports center. 
And so the soccer and taekwondo are all at the Deportivo. So my son is the only English speaker on the team, um, which he still, you know, and I feel outside, like when the parents are all there, because I'm still learning Spanish. And so I'll say, Seminado? Like, you know, just, you know, ask a little, like, one word question. Um, but it's good, you know, it's good. Um, and then the art class is at a language school. And so there are local children and expat children. So they get to use both. And the instructor, he says things in Spanish to help them begin to learn Spanish. But he also speaks English. The homeschool co-op, it's a mix of local children, so Mexican kids and some expat kids, as well as like one child is from Hungary. He speaks three or four languages. So it's like, you know, um, so they have a, a, a I feel like it's a good mix of kids, not just expat children, but also Mexican kids. So what kind of advice would you give to people that are considering something like this? I guess from a research perspective, because it seems like a lot of the things you've been able to accomplish in terms of uh, like getting them into sports and uh, kind of making adjustments on the fly and finding the communities and all that type of stuff, you can only research so much, right? A lot of it's kind of boots on the ground stuff. So did you find that a lot of the research you put in on the front end paid off or did it all kind of just change anyway? So you had to just figure it out once you arrived? Like what kind of advice would you give around that? Like how much research should people do before they move to another country or say move to Mexico or something versus just kind of like getting certain ducks in a row and just kind of figuring out when you're there? I would say the, the first thing and the main thing is to visit the place you think you want to move to. I loved Merida. I knew that. So that part I knew and I brought my kids so they could get their own experience. And so that part I knew for sure. Right. And from there, it was pretty much um, I found a local person here who was able to she took me on a tour of the different neighborhoods because the only thing that I knew from here was one neighborhood called Garcia Jimenez and Centro, which is the tourist area. And so she took me on a neighborhood tour and what I was looking for. So I would say the next piece of advice is to know how you live, because living in a place and visiting a place are two very different things. You're not there to be entertained 24 seven, right? And so you have to think about, and what I thought about was I want my kids to be able to ride bikes. I want them to go outside to play. I want parks nearby. I want restaurants and grocery stores nearby. Um, And so when we looked at homes, that's what I was looking for, not all the entertainment stuff. And so I would say know how you live, how you actually live. Don't be impressed by the, you know, all the the tourists, oh, the restaurants, no, you know, because those are overpriced anyway. So and then the last thing I would say is be open because what you think you want in the beginning can change. Right. And what you think you like about a place might be completely different once you soak in it a little bit. So be open to the differences, be open to what, how it changes you. Cause there are times when I have to shake off the American, you know, like, like, okay, what's my expectation here? So those are probably the, 
the main things I would say, you know, visit the place first, know how you live and then be open. I think that's three incredibly important points and great advice. All right. From a financial standpoint, because this is the, the next big thing. How is that going? I mean, you were working on getting your business off the ground, but it seems that you cut your expenses down just by being in Mexico where it's more affordable. Can you talk about where you're at with all of that? So income is still, I think if you're not a retired expat or if you don't have like loads of money, income will always be a concern. And so, so far I've been able to live off the commission that I make from my travel business. And I started teaching English online in January. Um, Plus I get child support from their dad. So those three things, that's how I make income. Um, I am working towards refining my business and I'm also working towards researching things like affiliate marketing. Uh, Do I want to pursue the coaching thing? Because I'm a certified life coach. Um, And so it's looking at, okay, what are some other ways that I can earn income that'll give me more bang for the hours I put in? I don't want to work more more than 20 hours a week. That part of it, I'm telling you, I don't want to work more than 20 hours a week um, because I didn't come here to work 50 hours a week. So that's what I've been very conscious of. And when I feel myself working way too much to step back. We might go to the beach for the day. I go hang with friends just to kind of get myself out of rat race mode and back into um, joy life mode, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, But yeah, so budget wise, we, so I pay 8,000 pesos, which is about depending on the value of the dollar, which you learn to track when you're an expat. You're always like, what's the, what's the dollar value today? (laughs) Tell me about it. <laughs> At one point, it was 20.34 pesos per dollar. And it was like, woohoo, I'm going shopping. Um, <laughs> so my rent is about anywhere from 415, I think, to like maybe 450 a month. And again, that's for a three bedroom, two and a half bathroom, two story with a garden and they uh, like a garage kind of carport thing. I don't know what they call it. Colchon, I think. Um, and for lights, they bill you every two months here. So for electric, I pay the highest it's been is 1400 pesos, but the last two bills were under 500 pesos. So under $25 for two months of electric service. Wow. For four people. Yeah. And for water, um, I pay about a hundred pesos every two months. That's like, ten dollars eight ten dollars depending on the value of the dollar um for gas which heats the water and my stove um i pay for my tank it costs maybe 400 pesos to fill it in the last two months so again on 25 dollars for the gas i have a housekeeper who comes once a week she's like 16 bucks a day or 300 pesos i have a gardener who comes twice a month um i have laundry service which i love I send the laundry to them and they bring it back clean, folded and wonderful. And that cost me, um, I've not paid more than 250 pesos for our laundry. So it's like what, $12 maybe, if that, depending on the value of the dollar. So I love it. Absolutely love it. So my, my total budget for just living expenses 
is maybe, maybe half of what my old mortgage was. Clearly the, the ability to cut your expenses in that way and also even add some, I guess you would call them perks into your life that you didn't have before. You didn't have somebody coming and picking up your laundry and dropping it off and a housekeeper and this thing and definitely changed your quality of life. Is there anything that you miss about being in the United States? <laughs> yeah. So Mexico is very much a cash based society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I miss being able to just use my debit card everywhere. <laughs> so You need cash. And I'm like, it feels like every time I have cash, I spend it all. So then I need cash. I don't have any. Um, so I would say that's one thing. And it's not a bad thing. It's not that I would change it. It's more I need to adjust better. Um, I don't honestly, there is there isn't anything that I miss that much. Good sushi. Good sushi. It's probably the biggest thing. So yeah, good sushi I miss and Thai food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. I get the longings for certain foods as well. You should have seen how, how I went crazy when I back, went back to the States recently. I mean, all the things that I don't get to have, my favorite places, I just stuffed my face full. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's a pretty short list, you know, considering, I mean, it's, it's not the big things that one white might think. Did you, you, do you have a car down there or you do yeah. not have a car, right? I don't have a car. I don't have a car. Now, I will tell you, so from my kids' perspective, um, they miss friends. So they miss that part of school, but they don't miss school, you know? So they miss having, like, the the friend, and I say them, the twins do. My eldest, he's a loner anyway, and so he loves homeschool, and he's fine with it. I have to make him go be around people sometimes. Um but yeah, that's the one thing they miss. And then my other son said he misses chicken and waffles. So yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, what about the uh, it, it, just going back to the daily life again? Because I think the term you used is the the rat race mode. I think you said. I mean, I feel it too as an expat in Norway, and I, I don't. I work for myself, so I am kind of on my own doing my own thing. But it seems that even the work culture in Norway is. Well, I mean, there's certainly stresses and everything, but there's still not that extra element. It doesn't seem like there's that extra element of anxiety that's permeating the entire culture, right? Uh, For a variety of reasons. I mean, rightfully so. In in many ways, I mean, people are trying to figure out, well, how can they get insurance for their family? And everybody's kind of like trying to figure out their own situations and make things happen for their families. And like when it comes down to it, people just want to take care of their families. Right. So, but you know, when you step out of that, it certainly does change your, I don't know. You're just in a different, for lack of a better term, like vibe kind of, but over a period of like days and months and then years. And I mean, how is that, how is being out of, corporate America type scene changed you as a person? So what I didn't realize was how much my experience with my previous manager um, affected my self-assurance, I guess, about my work because he was a micromanager and I didn't, I didn't realize that it had gotten to me. 
And so I had this, I was starting to like second guess everything I was doing, you know? And so coming out of that and realizing that your work is your work, like no one is micromanaging you. No one is, you know, it's your work in the marketplace or your clients. That's who will tell you whether or not what you're doing is of value if it's good. Right. So that was kind of shifting my mindset from someone's like, uh, I guess, overseeing or managing what you're doing. I hope I'm explaining that right. Um, The second thing is, is (laughs) but when you're in corporate America, you become very, um, I guess it's the same vein. Someone else is evaluating you. And you have to do the, the semi-annual performance reviews. So there's all these hoops you have to jump through. And so I, I'm like, I've released myself from all the hoops. I released myself from what a title means. Like my little sister, she said something the other day about um, looking for this or she got a job offer and it would put her back to a manager title. She'd have the same job or same work, but it'd just be a manager title. And in my mind, I'm like, who cares? Right. Like, what the hell? Like, whatever. But like, I no longer care about that kind of stuff, like the title and the what someone else deems as my value. Um, and I will say the anxiety thing, though. So I was actually working this morning and I had this idea and I'm you know, I'm getting it together. And there was like this anxiousness, right? <laughs> this anxiety. And I had to say to myself, calm down, girl. Like there's no, just calm down. Just Well, it's, it's built into <laughs> us because we grew up in it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, and I mean, sometimes I think I, it can be to my advantage personally, right? It's like, all right, this is like sort of this extra hustle that I might have, you know, growing up on the East Coast and, and being from the States and, and all that, not that other countries are lacking that, but it's just, you know, everybody has their own unique experiences. And I think if you worked in, if you've ever like worked in the States and you've had the hustle to like make things happen, then you know what I'm talking about um, or anywhere for that matter. But the, the, so that can be advantageous if you look at it that way, but also, yeah, like the anxiety part, not good, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's adding stress and, and again, I go back to, you know, if it doesn't bring you joy, why are you doing it? And not that every aspect of what you do, because I hate the bookkeeping part, right? And I hate, oh, yeah. like, sucks. going to log my commission, <laughs> like, that answer, like, I don't want to do this, right? right? But but when you, um, when there's more anxiety than there is joy, when there's more dread than there is excitement and engagement, then I think you have an issue, Right. Because I can be, I can be anxious. Like I had a group that I um, I planned a trip for, and they came a couple weeks ago. And so I was there was anxiety, but it was that, you know, it was that excited, like um, you know, uh, flowing. This it's a different kind of anxiety, right? Right. right. Kind of like I want this to go off well. I want these people to have a good time. Exactly. 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 So, uh, but I agree with you. I, I think if it's in the right amounts and in the right moments, it's an advantage, right? It's that American ingenuity, that American, you know, stick, whatever it's called. Um, but but when you're out of out of uh, balance, it's what causes stress. Right. It's, it's what causes, you know, um, all the health issues that we have. And yeah, so. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fascinating how you can take a person who is 
you know, the same person and put them into a different place and a different culture and just see how that changes you. You know, like just that, just changing your physical location right now. We know, of course, like all the things we've talked about, too. It's more than just that because you've you've had to let go of, you know, your house. There was a whole process getting here and then you've even gone further as you've mentioned letting go of you know an identification with the job title and different things like that that have come with this experience but at the core of it right where you're taking you're taking yourself and putting yourself in just a physical a different physical location and a different culture and being surrounded by that and that has a huge influence as well i, I mean when you reflect on it it's hard to say well what exact you know all of these experiences change you but that element of it, it's hard to say how much it's changed you, but, or maybe you can pinpoint it a little bit, but I just find it interesting. What may scare some people is who are you without the job title and without the stuff? Who are you? Right? Because what I find for a number of Americans, and not just, I can only speak to Americans because that's where I'm from, but what we do for a living and the stuff that we have, it, it's like what others notice most about us or what sometimes helps us feel more important or gives us identity, right? So who are you without the title and who are you without the stuff? And I think that some for some people, that's scary. You know, for some people, it's like they don't want to do the work to find out who they are without the stuff and they don't want to be without the stuff because I worked hard for this stuff. And, you know, so for me, that's been key is without the stuff. Cause you know, getting in the house was proving that I could do this as a single mom and I, I got this, uh, you know, but it's like, okay, so now what you prove that and what, right. And so for me now, it's really, when I say to you back to the joy, like even parenting, it gets frustrating as hell. But I have to go back to the joy. Why am I doing this? What am I trying to teach my kids? What do I want? You know, envisioning who they're becoming. Who am I becoming through this? Um, that's kind of how I navigate this life. That's kind of where I am right now is who am I becoming? Who are they becoming? And how is this experience lending itself to all of that? So. It seems like with some of the the additional help that you mentioned before and just having more time and not having to earn as much, really, I mean, you have the ability to not have to be micromanaged by somebody else, right? Um, and it seems like, which is nice, yay. And also, I guess it seems like there might be more time for reflection on these types of things, right? I mean, do you have, is that in and of itself like sort of, feeding some kind of uh, momentum in terms of personal growth when it comes to having the time to just take a look at it and kind of think about it and, and process and, and experience the joy and have time to reflect on, on like, oh, okay, I should be having more joy in this moment. Is that something that's changed you? Well, yeah, but I, I think that's important for anybody, no matter where they are. Um, for me, I've had to make sure to maintain it because so at one point, the income generation became like a really big deal, and I gave up my mornings. So I was scheduling classes at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., and I did that for a couple of weeks, and it was like my life seemed to go like off kilter, and I was more um, irritable. And so I had to have a meeting with myself and realize that 
my mornings are really important to me. And so from 5 till about 7 a.m., I master my morning. I say my gratitude. You know, I I go get my coffee. I may go exercise. Still working on the consistency of that. I go out on my rooftop terrace and I do some stretching and breathing and, you know, my fake form of Tai Chi mixed with yoga, mixed with just stretching, you know, and I I may write in my journal. So all that, those two hours are really me getting myself ready to enter this day, right? And thinking it like just kind of tapping in to see what's on the surface for me, like what's what's the big deal. And today, actually, it was about, you know, the joy of my family because I was starting to get really frustrated with the whole parenting and I had to tap back into part of why I did this was to enjoy them. I get joy from my kids when I'm not frustrated about the responsibility, right? So I think no matter where you are, no matter who you are, it's important to have that reflection, whether you do it in the morning, whether you do it at lunchtime, whether you do it at the end of the day, but you, you to really be, I guess, um, intentional about your life, you should reflect, you know, you should reflect and, you know, is this a good decision? Did I do this? Well, maybe I should, maybe I should do this differently. Why did I do this in that moment? Right. It's important for everybody. Thinking back to before you got on the plane to Mexico <laughs> and you got there to now, because <laughs> we did do some serious time traveling today. Yeah. Um, you know, did, did the expectations that you had, did it match up to the reality of the situation and in what ways and what, in what ways didn't it? So I expected that my coaching business would just like take off like that. And I, I expected that um, financially things would go differently. They didn't go the way that I hoped, but I'm still okay. And so I had to kind of adjust there. And then what you think is reasonable on paper, like once you begin like living in a place, you begin to realize that it's different, right? Um, and I'll just say like, I think a lot of expats come here to Mexico and they have a much higher budget than they really need. And so honestly, for me, my living expenses are lower than what I anticipated previously. Um, yeah, so, and then as far as other stuff, honestly, I don't know that I had any huge expectations. I truly, the lesson I learned when I came to visit here in 2017 was to go into it with no expectations and just be open to whatever it was gonna be. And honestly, even listening to like your show and how people that go into a situation and come out like completely different. I knew not to have um, too many expectations about what this was going to be. Um, so yeah, so that, that part. Mm. It's a great approach, right? Like it's not always easy to do, I think as travelers or, or, you know, if you're just, uh, just an individual moving to another country I and mean, you're going to get ideas on what it's going to be like. So trying to fight that off and understand, okay, these, these are just, this is just my mind sort of conjuring what this may be. But I mean, that goes with anything, right? You know, you see, you have a big speech at work or something and you, you try to visualize it and then it doesn't go that way. And you're just like, oh no. So it's like this delicate balance for all humans, right? To, to kind of manage expectations or or totally 
detach from them ideally would be the other end of the spectrum versus uh i don't know just i think just, managing is more realistic i think managing expectations is more realistic uh than like completely detaching from them i will say that it's actually like i said i didn't have any any major expectations other than i thought i'd be you know fluent in spanish by now but not so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that didn't <laughs> well, don't get down on yourself. It's not easy to learn a language. Trust me. I know. I, I'm better, but I am nowhere near fluent. And that, and you know, I I have not prioritized it to the point where I'm willing to go pay for a class yet. I thought about it, but I'm like, eh, I'll get it. Um, but I will say one of the surprising things for me has been the relationships that I've built here. Um, I am absolutely blown away with the friends that I've made here. And I am so, 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 so thankful. Um, day one, I met this woman named Barbara and she's the one, she's a lawyer here. So she helped me get out of the contract that I had in the house in Progresso. And she helped me find my new house. And then I met, um, there's Merida Coffee Club. Facebook groups, by the way, are awesome when you're moving to a place. They're awesome to ask questions and whatnot. Um, but there's this group, Merida Coffee Club, and I met this couple who, he's Mexican, she's um, American, but they're married and moved here from Oklahoma City. So, and then I met Cassie and Nate, who you know Cassie and Nate. Um, and then, yeah, and so, and then like, uh, I've just, I've met so many great people. And in one of the groups, this guy the other night posted that his birthday was coming up and was asking, are there any events? And if not, he'd just have champagne at home by himself. And so I was like, well, hey, if you want, I'll meet you somewhere and have a birthday drink, which sounds really crazy. Like you really safety, you know, caveat, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but then like all these other people are like, sure, we'll meet up. So 10 strangers came out to celebrate the birthday of another stranger. Right. And only live in this expat life would that happen, you know? Oh, yeah. And now we're all meeting up for dinner in a couple of weeks at this one guy's house. And like, yeah, so I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. So if it doesn't sound like you have any big regrets. I mean, you've kind of painted the, the or you get, you've given us the updates, I feel, in a, in a way that is it. Uh, there's some ups, there's some downs, but overall, yeah, satisfied. Overall, yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to to give anyone any false ideas. Are there challenges? Of course there are. I mean, you have challenges moving from Chicago to New York, you know. So um, there are challenges. There are language issues. Like I said, I had a a meltdown in the mall. Um, there are some days when my brain does not want to figure stuff out and I'm like, can you just do this? <laughs> so you have those moments, but all in all, I have no regrets. I am hopeful about what's to come. I look forward to, you know, um, building a life here in Merida for a span of time. But I also know that I'm open to travel other places. Um, so, cause there's still parts of Mexico that I would love to see and maybe even live in other parts of Mexico. Um, but I just think for us right now, this is the perfect place for our level of comfort and adventure. Um, 
and for where we are as a family right now. So I have no regrets. And it's wonderful to kind of just be aware of, of that. And also I love that you just did this and then you got into it. And like you said, you're figuring stuff out as you go, but also now it sounds like it this always happens when you, when you get that first thing right now, it's like, okay, now there's sort of this open road where you're saying, all right, we're going to be here for maybe 18 months, maybe two years. We don't know, but then we, we're kind of open to a lot of different things. And I think that's gets really exciting looking into the future. Not that you have to right now. It sounds like you guys are really content, but just so many things open up when you kind of realize, hey, I, this is something I can do. I can just move to Mexico with my family and uh, like homeschool my kids. And this is totally different than what you ha- yeah. did before. Completely different yeah. life. Yeah. And you find out things that y- you find out once you do it. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you're going to the gym, the hardest part is putting on the shoes and leaving. And it's 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 kind of the same with this life. Once you get here, you realize that it is sustainable. Right. Um, And that there are resources and there are options depending on how you want to live. Like I actually just found out that Tennessee has a cyber school. And so I can enroll my kids in cyber school and they're in the state school system. Um, I didn't know that before I left home. So you find out things that um, you, you, as you do it, you find out things that make it much easier to continue. So awesome. Uh, And one more time, we'll mention your website. If you'd like to give people a link, now's the time. www.lawaltravel.com. And I'm on IG as lawaltravel. Um, and if they want my personal, I think I just changed it. It's like Wall underscore ATW um, on IG. So Awesome. I so appreciate you checking in with us. And can you, can you send me some pics that we can post up so we can see you guys down in Mexico? Sure, I'll would, do that. Would love to see that and post them up with the show notes. It'll be interesting, I think, for you to listen to this episode hearing you before because I just listened to it, but I don't think I don't know if you have recently. So we're um we're we're smushing this all into one episode and we get to see like this sort of transformation, all the things that you've done over the last basically eight months since we recorded. I just really admire what you've been able to do and also just having the guts to to do it and just make it happen and and now you're there. Sounds like living a pretty good life and enjoying yourself and spending a lot of time with your family. And that's uh, all beautiful stuff. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us. Well, thank you. And I just, you know, anyone who's thinking about it, I will say um, you do it afraid. You know, you do it afraid. You do it with that little quiver in your stomach. Um, and just know that, you know, you'll get through it. There were nights when I was like staring at the ceiling thinking, what am I doing? What have I done? But you breathe, you figure out the next two steps, and you keep going. Mm. Yeah, so. Yeah. Love it. You're an inspiration. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Janita. I really appreciate it. And yeah, we, we, I swear we got to do this in person sometime. We missed you <laughs> when I was in Mexico. Like, I feel like I barely missed you when we were in Mexico, but. I know, um, man. 
we know where you're at now, and we know you have a big house, so we're we're gonna come and stay in it. <laughs> no, we're not gonna. We won't. We won't invite ourselves. But if we're welcome, we just might show up at the door. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, everyone's um, welcome. That's what you can. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so, you, Jason. Thank you so much. There you have it. Another transition to travel episode in the books. I love making these. I love these long-term projects. They're unique. And if you have a story that you think you might want to share, say you're in the beginning stages of making a big change that's going to incorporate more travel into your life and you want to put it out there. You want to help some other people in the Zero to Travel listening community and share your story. Just hit me up, Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. Anytime, let me know what you're planning, what you're doing. Maybe you'll be the next one from the community featured on this very podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you who took time to listen to this show. also want to give a quick shout out to Pimsler for supporting today's show because you heard Janita talk at the end about some of the language difficulties. Well, if you want to learn a language from anywhere in the world, you want to do it via audio, you love podcasts, you love learning on the go, go to zerototravel.com slash easy and you're going to get a free trial offer just for Zero to Travel listeners. You get seven days for free where you can access all of the lessons in any language and try them out. Just try it out totally for free. If you're based in the States, you can get this offer. And if you decide to continue on, you can just pay a small monthly subscription fee every month and get all those language lessons in any language you want to learn. Instead of having to buy them all up front and spend hundreds of dollars, you can do it like Spotify or Netflix style where you just pay one small monthly membership fee and go about your business. Listen at your leisure. It's much easier. This is the same language learning technique used by places like the State Department, Homeland Security. Awesome, awesome stuff. Check them out for free. Just give it a try. Zero slash easy. If you go through that link, you'll also be supporting uh, this podcast. And I thank you so much for that and really appreciate you just being a part of the Zero to Travel Caravan. You know, I get my energy and my drive to keep this podcast going from you, my friend. So just get in touch if you haven't yet. Just say hi and let me know who you are, what you're up to, and sign up over at zerototravel.com if you haven't done that yet. We got some cool stuff for you that you can't get on the podcast. And yes, I am recording some exclusive audio coming up that's going to go out to the community email newsletter. So all kinds of stuff happening. If you dig the podcast and you haven't signed up yet, hit pause, just wrap up here, sign up over there. Would love to welcome you into the online community there so you don't miss anything. And I just want to thank you once again for your time. I'm going to leave you with a quote. Janita mentioned the word joy several times, and that's a word that uh, I don't use very often, but I feel that is an important word. And that's why I'm going to leave you with this quote from Rumi, who said, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 